Good morning. Today is Tuesday, September 27th, 2022, and this is episode 14 of Zach and Natalie Answer. And today, uh, we're very excited, or I'm very excited at least, to answer this question. What does it mean to make it in this country? And uh, thankfully, we're not alone in asking this question or kind of out in the wilderness. We have a, uh, a guide for the first time. How are you doing, Natalie? I'm good. I am also excited. I'm interested. This is a bit off the beaten path for us. Um, We're going to be watching or rather going through a video by uh, a group called Blimey Cow, which I am not qualified to talk about at all. So you better introduce them as well. Yes. Well, I'm very excited for this uh, stereosonic multimedia event. Uh, featuring <laughs> Blimey Cow. Uh, so Blimey Cow is a YouTube channel, obviously on YouTube, that's been around for quite a while. It's basically two brothers from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, that area. Uh, and uh, they kind of do different videos about you know, like Christianity and being homeschooled and, well, not really directly about Christianity, but sort of indirectly, more about, you know, kind of Christian culture and homeschool culture. And so they posted this video uh, at the beginning of this month kind of talking about, uh, well, just talking about some different things. And I thought this would be really interesting to sort of listen to live here on the air and then kind of react to. So yeah, now we're doing YouTube reaction videos. Like how how far we've fallen? Only took 14 episodes. I can't hear yeah. you if you're No, I know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I had myself on mute and a space where I started playing by Blimey Cow at about 400 decibels. So that was, I'm awake now, I'm here, I'm ready, and uh, yeah, we can kick it off anytime. I believe that you have agency in your life. I don't think that you're a victim. You might be disadvantaged, you might have a harder go of it, but I truly believe that anyone with a good work ethic can make it in this country. And with that said, yes, you are screwed. <laughs> Thanks for watching Blimey Cow. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace and made possible by viewers like you. Well, they're definitely not messing around with the message there. Yeah, that was, uh, this is, you know, as someone who's been watching Blimey Cow for a while, and, and I had the opportunity to go to their uh, fan event uh, in early August of this year. Uh, yeah, this is a little bit more unhinged than the normal uh, <laughs> presentation. <laughs> I'm, I'm all here for it. Uh, but this is where our question comes from, uh, because he talks about, you know, sort of making it in this country, if anyone can make it in this country, if they have a good work ethic, uh, those sorts of things. I mean, that's kind of like, that's, that's their message of hope or the summary. So, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I mean, that is, it's, uh, it's true. <clears throat> and it's untrue at the same time, right? And this is a bit I think we'll definitely get into the uh, nitty gritty here at the end. I want everyone to kind of hear the clips and get the get the message for themselves and how it's presented in this video. But yeah, I mean, that's that's their take, right? Their take is essentially that even though the deck is stacked against you, you can still make something or, or make it, which, you know, I'm not really sure what what it is, but you can make it uh, if you kind of apply yourself, essentially, is 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 the long and the short of it. But um, I am curious. This is a really strong lead-in, right? It's obviously mm-hmm. a setup. Turn around and say, hey, 
you're screwed. And then I'm sure they're going to tell us all the really exciting ways in which we're screwed. So here we go. Yeah, uh, I think, well, I think that's the implicit question, right? What What is it? What What does it mean to make it in this country? And so I think as we get through the details of talking about, you know, how we're screwed, uh, you know, we can sort of maybe uh, flesh out a little bit more of, of what that means. And so that's kind of why we're using this video to guide us. I think it's also really interesting to note the uh, reactions to this video in the comments section and within their fan community is fairly polarizing, I think. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of people who um, said, yeah, this spoke to me, but there was like perhaps even more people who said, you know, this lacks the gospel or this made me depressed or something like that. Um, and I, I mean, just kind of to give away the game a little bit here, I, I definitely, uh, the reason we're talking about it is I felt like, oh, this is, this really resonated with me. I mean, this is, uh, it, it, and it kind of hits the chord that, that maybe we've been on for the past several episodes. Uh, so I think maybe I can kind of tease some of the stuff to follow by saying this is the most post-liberal I've ever seen Blimey Cow, and I am all here for it. Nice. Let's go. Why Liberalism Failed by Blimey Cow. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll kick off the next section here. This is the modern American story. This is the life of the modern American child. You're fed a steady diet of cartoons and sugary cereals with the cartoons on them. Don't worry, one day you'll find out how bad both of these things were for your body in the most formative years. Unfortunately, by then the damage has already been done. If you somehow avoided diabetes, you most definitely didn't avoid a fear of reading. Television is just way more simple to comprehend. It prepares your mind for the 24-hour news cycle that you will be required to consume in adulthood. Yep, post-liberal blimey cow. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, I love the, uh, the, the crowd all in stereo. That's pretty funny. Um, okay, well, so obviously a couple of things to circle back there right we're talking about food and cartoons tv so the the major points of being fed sugary cereals as a kid and watching cartoons and then not reading because tv was easier to understand kind of uh throwing a few stones at childhood there which is kind of interesting question just as an aside, how closely does that align with your childhood? Did you eat a lot of cereal and watch Nickelodeon? Uh, I didn't watch Nickelodeon, but I did watch like WB Kids, I believe, on Saturday mornings. Uh, so, I mean, I think that like, I, and my parents didn't really let us have too sugary of cereals, but they're still, you know, fairly sugary. So um, I'm pretty sympathetic to this because it does feel somewhat relatable uh, however, you know, I did read, I mean, a fair amount of books when I was a, a kid. I mean, I read the entire Bible cover to cover in like fourth grade, uh, that kind of time in my life. And that felt like a really big accomplishment. Um, although, you know, I, it's quite possible I might've just really kind of speed read, you know, some, some parts like, I don't know, the genealogies or like last couple chapters of Ezekiel where he's building the temple. Um, so I, I don't really know that um, I don't really know that when you're a kid, it's sapping your ability to read. But I certainly think it does that 
when you get to adulthood where it's like you're conditioned, you build this pattern of kind of going to that because it does end up easier because you just you have less energy when you're older and you feel more beat down, more worn out. So it's less about, you know, kind of the work of reading, the discipline of reading. And it's it's more about and just go to the screen and watch Blimey Cow video <laughs> instead yeah. of uh, reading a book. Well, I think the the real challenge that I've noticed with uh, reading as a kid and reading as an adult is it's so much, there's just more, I've had more lifetime of more stuff to think about. It has absolutely nothing to do with my childhood, but it's just harder. If I'm reading a technical book, like this was a struggle for me with Master's Emissary, I'll, I'll start a paragraph and I'll, by the time I get to the end of the paragraph, I'll realize I'm thinking about dinner, not about what I'm reading. Like I'm, It's mm. very strange. I can do both at once, right? But I can't. I can't comprehend. <laughs> I can run words through my eyes and I can be like, oh yeah, I should put that pot roast in at four o'clock. But I can't comprehend. And that's the trouble that I find with reading as an adult is it's extremely difficult for me personally to maintain focus. So I think yeah. that... That's definitely a part of this, right? With the cartoons and the cereal and the constant stimulation. So think about oatmeal for breakfast, not very stimulating, filling, but Fruity Pebbles for breakfast is very stimulating. There's all these colors, there's a box, there's all kinds of stuff. So I think that's, that is definitely one sub point to take away from this part for sure. Yeah, I think uh, it sets you up to be, you know, a look at the pretty lights and pretty colors kind of thing. Uh, exactly yeah that's that's perhaps the like you said like the super stimuli episode we did uh it it primes your mind for that kind of you know like hit you know like that that drug Mm -hmm. hit um and then you know with a lot of what we've talked about about screens i think of course there's a much deeper conversation there and there is with all the points he makes in this video but i think uh that's that's definitely part of it and then I think the second part uh, that he talks about is how it prepares us for the 24-hour news cycle. And um, I'm not sure I can relate quite as much to this, but I can certainly see the impact of it on others in my life that I know. So what do you think about the whole 24-hour news yeah, cycle thing? Well, uh, yeah. So I think that this is one of those things that we like to point fingers at whoever we don't like and say oh those people just consume 24-hour news cycle (laughs) but we all do it in our own way for example maybe if you're not consuming a 24-hour news cycle you might be consuming an equivalent amount of content from your favorite dissident podcaster you know so there's it's just a it I would say you know obviously they have a bent like this is meant to kind of cast shade on the news networks and that's all fair in my book but I think that the the takeaway here is just the overconsumption of media right so and that I think it is a fair point starts in childhood with cartoons and kind of cueing you for a very positive experience of consuming media in whatever format and then that just rolls into adulthood like how many people are uncomfortable with just sitting in silence like how many people do you know who get in the car and just drive to their destination. Almost always, they're going to be putting on the radio, they're going to be putting on music, they're going to be putting on podcasts, putting on an audiobook. Like, it's pretty, you know, silence is golden, and um, we're bad at it. We're bad at just sitting in silence with our own thoughts. And that's kind of what I took away from that part, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good point. I think you uh, 
really hit the nail on the head there. If your parents both stuck around, well congratulations, number one, you hit the jackpot. If they split up when you were young, though, you, you get the privilege of spending your most fruitful, productive years trying to process the loss of the most fundamental, foundational institution in your life. I know you'll never fully believe this, but I promise it wasn't your fault. Interesting. Oh, ragging on divorced kid parents or kids for divorced families. Got it. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't. You know, I don't. Of course, that that wasn't what he was doing. But uh, no, I. But it is an interesting follow up point. You know, it, the one thing about this video is they do take several turns that are kind of they're not like 180s, but they're like tack tacking over here and I'm over here. Anyway, like what were you gonna say? Yeah. No. No. I mean, I this one. You know, really like I'm kind of like a self described social conservative, so. I, I definitely agree that the family is like the basic building block of society and, and kind of has been for ever, uh, pretty much. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of point out that, uh, yeah, divorce has played a huge role in this. And then also to, to try and, I mean, I think there's a legit thing here to say, it's not your fault. You know, if you're the uh, child of ador- divorced parents and I'm not, uh, but I mean, that's, that's a lot to deal with. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of quite the monkey to get off your back when you're thinking about getting married or starting a family. Yeah, it Uh, is. It's definitely extremely impactful. Um, I have one time I sat down and made a list of everyone I know and whose parents were still together and whose parents were divorced. And there were, well, the divorced parents are definitely in the majority So, and you can see it's not, and again, it's like anything in life, like there's a huge variety of how people respond to it, but it's definitely impactful. And although this is kind of an interesting, this to me is a little bit of a meme take, like, oh, the, the kid thinks it's their fault, which is true in some cases, but, you know, I know folks whose parents have gotten divorced when they're older, and so it's not as much of the issue. The issue becomes more where my parents operated as a single unit previously. Now they're two independent social units and it becomes political, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I've got to think about what mom wants versus what dad wants or dad, you know, I'm going somewhere for the summer, but I'll be home in the, for school in the fall. And then there's like, it just, it's like a whole extra level of stuff you've got to worry about, which kind of plays back into that inability to, you know, have focused attention on one thing. Yeah, I don't feel very qualified to, you know, critique uh, divorce, not having a lot of close personal experience with it. But, uh, you know, it's certainly, I think, part of the problem, right? I really do think that the family is the basic building block of our society. And the more we tear that down, you know, the more we tear down the fabric of our society, and we kind of lead to the current uh, place in our country that uh, that uh, Jordan and Josh, the folks at Blimey Cow, are driving towards here. All right, let's see what other fun and exciting joy is in store for us. Oh, is it time for school already? Hey, remember how cartoons stole your ability to read? School steals your ability to learn. It only takes eight hours a day to completely suck the joy out of learning. Now, it's a job. 
In fact, you might get into your 30s, mid 20s if you're lucky, before you realize that learning is actually fun. Unfortunately, by then you're straddled with debt and can't possibly make time to learn anything that actually interests you. Ironically, all of your debt is from learning, even though you can't really point to much that you learned. It was about the experience you were told. It's the experience of spending $80,000. How did I think we were gonna get out without a, without hating on student loans? This is great. <laughs> well, I, th I think this is where they hit a little bit more of the, uh, their, their homeschooled uh, background. So they're a little more anti-school than, then perhaps I've been conditioned to oh, be. Oh man, I'm a public school product of the public school system and I hate school. So I don't know. <laughs> it is, it is uh, it, again, it's an interesting point wrapped up in kind of a little bit of, of cool sarcasm, or as you would say, post-liberal fluff um, with the learning. Cause I, I think it's true. It, it if you've got a, a school and this is an old take, you know, I'm not, no, not revolutionizing anything here, but it's all for standardized testing into some degree, right? Like I got to get these kids to pass this standardized test. And so they really kind of um, teach to teach to testing and testing is a terrible way to measure intelligence. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's weird because I feel this is, a rant for another day, but I feel like what you do in school isn't learning. I feel like it's memorization and we shouldn't sully the name of learning by comparison, compare, oh my goodness gracious, <clears throat> any more coffee, comparing it to whatever it is they're teaching you in the school system, right? Which is to spit out facts and pass the test. So it is, but it's an interesting point because I definitely remember having a thought when I, after I graduated college and had been in the world for a couple of years working at a job, I was like, man, I am a little jealous of those folks who took a couple of years off after high school and then went back to college because they, I would just be more focused if I went back now instead of having gone straight from high school into college. I just, for some reason, I was thinking that maybe I would have been a little more focused on my studies and a little less distracted by being in a new city with a bunch of people my age. The other thing I noticed when I was growing in college, I had to take a math class and I hadn't taken math since I left high school. And math in high school was extremely difficult for me. And I took this math in college and I just breezed through it. And it made me realize there is something to your brain maturing, like things just get easier as your brain matures to a certain point. Uh, and so that that also influenced my my uh, pontificating about whether or not I should have gone back to school in older age. Anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> well, I think I'm I feel a little more positive about it, but I also went to private school basically all the way through. So I had a lot more individual attention. I did not feel the same sort of pressure towards standardized testing that I think, for instance, my younger brothers feel uh, about. Uh, that 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 they get from the public school system. Uh, so I I had a lot more individual attention. I remember having great conversations with with teachers, uh, even if I I wasn't able you know in like eighth grade to have good conversations with, uh, say my classmates about certain things in school because it wasn't you know cool to talk about. It was cooler to talk about I don't know the latest Pokemon video game or I don't know what what were people talking about. Uh, uh, I don't know. 
um halo maybe i think halo was uh <laughs> it's funny i this is a completely aside but uh it's really interesting i still watch uh some halo videos on on youtube and people are still really you know obsessed with sort of the uh well, I guess this video will get to this, but but kind of to the the good old days, right when Halo was a great you know video game franchise or whatever, and they just remember like how cool it was to play at your friend's house and you know people kind of reliving that moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean it it wasn't necessarily like in that school setting, it wasn't cool to talk with your friends about like what you were learning in school. Uh, but it got, I think, for me at least, cooler to do that the farther I got along in high school and then in college. So. I really, uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of school. Now, I definitely do agree about the student loan things in terms of feeling like you kind of get talked into this thing because it's like what everyone does. So I definitely felt kind of conditioned to take out student loans and just go to college because it's like what you do. Uh, and I, I totally uh, ended up in a job that's like not in my field, right? I've been working at my current uh, company for about half a decade almost, and uh, or getting towards half a decade. And, um, you know, I love it, but it's not related at all to what I learned in school. But I loved what I learned in school. Um, I can point to a lot of different things that I learned. I mean, I couldn't talk about like, you know, pe people like Socrates, Thrasymachus, Polymarchus, uh, you know, well, Glaucon's kind of just the interlocutor to push the plot along uh, with Socrates. But, you know, like, I couldn't talk about that. I couldn't talk about St. Augustine. Um, and I think that's, again, me believing in, in the liberal arts education as like, oh, I still had, I still had traces of that in my university experience. So I still believe in higher education right. from, from a comportment uh, point of view, right, from a point that it can build character and teach you about how to situate yourself in the broader context of your tradition. But I understand that that's kind of increasingly disappearing and that more and more it's just kind of mumbo jumbo that doesn't really amount to anything and no one can point to what they learned and it was just about the experience. Because I mean, I could definitely say that about several, I mean, I could probably say that about most of the business classes I took, uh, to be honest. Oh, I don't you quite... took business classes? Yeah, I minored in business administration, actually. Wow. Well, that's exciting. Story for another day, though, but yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I was originally going to do economics, too, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because it's like there wasn't there wasn't anything. You would anything. have hated it. Yeah, too, well, too much math. And then, yeah, it's just so, um, oh, I forgot what, what thing it is that I listened to or read, but it's like the perfect uh, sort of like distance yourself uh, kind of major for people that like don't want to commit to anything it's really meaningless you know it's i don't you know the dismal science i can't remember what that was it was it was pretty down on the economics major but it it made some really good points um you know kind of the quintessential uh, modern uh thing for people that used to go into the humanities and now they all mm -hmm. become you know economics majors oh boy interest oh wow that's an that actually is an interesting point yeah okay i gotta find that maybe we can come back to it but yeah I majored in political science, didn't do anything with it in my career, but I am very grateful for the many professors I had uh, and the many discussions I had. Total, also, total aside, I literally had a dream about it last night that I was back uh, at a university with one of my former professors, and we were talking about Plato's Republic. And maybe it's just because I went to a Bible study recently, and 
uh, accidentally sort of compared Socrates versus Thrasymachus to Jesus versus Pilate in the book of John. But, oh my but, goodness, uh, <laughs> you are a huge nerd. Yeah, I mean, that's that's thanks to my my education. So, I, I mean, yeah. Was okay, it worth hold all on. The money? Stop, Maybe stop, not, stop. But. All right. I can't, I can't let you go any farther without making this very salient point. It's not thanks to your education. It's not about that. It's you were taught at some point, or it could be a personality thing. You were taught how to learn. So you were given that information and you were able to, to take it on and you have now can like learning how to learn is a skill, right? That is a skill set in a box, just like learning how to do long division or multiplication in your head or whatever. It's so you got that, right? It's not. And then you were able to actually interact with the education system in your adult life in a fulfilling way. But I think that's kind of the point he's making is not, is that when you are, that school doesn't necessarily by default give you that skill of learning, even though that is what is assumed is happening. It's not something by default. Does that make sense? I think so. And that's a pretty good point. I think I will, you know, I think I'll concede to you in the video on that one because I do All think right. that's a good point. Not that, I mean, it's really cool that you had such a great experience in college. Not all of us did. So I'm I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy. <laughs> well, that was, there was plenty of other things, but I, I choose to see the best in it. It's the only thing I can do. Cool. All right. Shall we uh, soldier on? Indeed. So you're stuck in a job, not even in your field, to pay back a loan you didn't want to take out, and on your off days, you're most definitely just playing video games or watching TV because that's what you did as a child, and those were the good old days. That was when things were good. It's just hard to find the motivation to do much of anything other than the bare minimum. This is called conditioning. You've been conditioned your whole life just to sit there, eating, watching, sleeping, paying, working, eating, watching, sleeping, paying, working. And maybe if you'd been born 10 or 20 years ago, you could imagine a world where you might actually be able to buy a house and build some equity instead of just overpaying for rent. But that's not the world we live in anymore, is it? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy, my friend. The future is built by us. Speaking of happy, you're not. Ooh, a little uh, Klaus Schwab cameo there. Nice. <laughs> Oh, man, I felt like this was the, the meat of the video here. Hating on the student loan crisis or hating on the World Economic Forum? No, it's the, <laughs> the future. It's built by us. It's, oh. the, it's the conditioning thing, though. It's it's the conditioning thing. Like, So we're talking about what does it mean to make it in this country. We've all been conditioned to basically you know, eat out of the hand of uh, what we're given, right? To not take possession of our own lives. So, I mean, that's okay. So there's like a general thing there, right? Like, I think the reason this video was probably made is to sort of push back against people who feel like they have no agency in their lives and complain about it, uh, right? To sort of, I think, head off the politics of resentment, which is the most kind of the most dangerous kind of politics that there is. Uh, that, you know, general feeling that you're just angry and you resent the system because it conditioned you to be this way, but you don't really have a place to be productive with that uh, sort of anger. So you just do what you know, uh, right? What's familiar. You play Halo. Um, in this case, you know, they showed uh, Mario Kart and Fortnite, um, you know, which is a little bit more, I think, 
for, for this generation, but certainly I think for millennials, it was maybe a game like Halo, which I mentioned earlier, uh, as kind of like this, it's just escapism, right? It's like, this is you eating, sleeping, working, uh, watching, paying. right? It's emphasis yeah, on paying. the paying. Right. And it keeps you kind of trapped in this cycle. So what does it mean to make it in this country? Well, I think this video is saying, and I definitely agree it's well, it, it means that you don't just sit there, right? Like you don't just get conditioned to be trapped in this cycle that you actually, uh, you know, are someone that, you know, I don't know, takes control of their own life, right? That's kind of like motivational speaking kind of stuff, but believe in yourself harder next time, yeah. Zach. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a pop-up on the screen. I think that says something about that later in this video. Um, I mean, I, you know, we're not, we're not hot on solutions right now, but I think he's pretty effectively, uh, described the situation mm -hmm. for a lot of Americans. Yeah. Well, I think the point of this video <clears throat> and you and I can talk about some solutions because I got thoughts on this, right. And you know, hopefully we will be able to do that in a succinct manner here. Um, the point is, it's like uh, you're throwing the grenade back over the fence, basically. You've got, just like you said, folks who have politics of resentment, or the default is to think that you are a victim of your circumstances. And then, like, that's just, if you do no work on yourself in your life, that is how you will approach the world. And that, so he's kind of, it's like a tongue-in-cheek response to that, is my, is my take. I think you nailed it. And since no one ever explained to you this very, very complicated idea that the foods that go into your body have an effect on your brain, you'll probably just keep eating processed foods, hydrogenated oils, and sugar until the day that you die of heart disease before you've ever paid off that student loan. Don't worry though, your student loans aren't passed on to the kids you don't have. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Or maybe you will live long enough to finally pay off all your student loans for the degrees you're not actually using. You'll be able to start saving up for a down payment on a house, 20% of $400,000. $400,000, where's he buying a $400,000 house? That's my question. <laughs> Sound too cheap? Uh, Yes, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like four hundred thousand dollars—that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, I could. You're like doing the math. You're like, well, actually, that's that's totally doable. Yeah, I I definitely, yeah, I I've just I've definitely had the thought a few times in the last month since I totaled my car. Uh, just the whole sheer ridiculousness of this fact that we all have all these really expensive things that you know we don't actually have the money for that we didn't you know fully pay for upfront. You know, this whole system of credit. And you know leases and loans. Even before this, well, actually, this video did come out around the time that I got into that uh, accident. But um, yeah, it's definitely been on my mind. Uh, it's ridiculous the system that we have. I mean, it's just it's hard to fathom. I mean, it makes sense. I guess Ooh. it's allowed. You know, it's worked for a hundred years, but it seems like it's getting out of control. I can tell that you didn't study economics. Uh, well, okay, so. Debt and credit is a double-edged sword. If you know how to use it, it is extremely helpful. Um, if you don't know how to use it, it will enslave you. And people have been lending people money since the dawn of time. Like Ugg crawled out of the cave and realized that he could give Zug a rock and get two rocks back in, in three weeks. So this is a very, very, a whole like 
credit system. We've we've had that for I mean, Jesus threw money lenders out of the temple. It's a thing. It's been a thing forever. But it is definitely a system stacked against you. And that's I have a pet rant about people who are like, I pay my credit card off every month. I'm like, good for you. Hmm. Curious. Tell me more about how you, a single person, managed to fight a, a credit card company that has 4,000 employees working 40 hours a week to make sure that you don't pay your credit card off every month. Please tell me more about that. I'm very curious. How how are you swimming upstream against this entire industry that's designed to grind you into dust? Mm, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pro tip. They're lying. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think that you're right, though. This is, it's a, it's a trap. It's a, it's a trap that is set for people who aren't able to, who don't understand how it works. And the first place you, you learn how it doesn't work is with your student loans. Because my experience in college was, hmm, I'm going to a very expensive private college. Wow, I need more money. Do, do, do go down to the financial aid office. Hi, can I have more money? Like, sure, sign this piece of paper and it's in your bank account. So when when money is that cheap and easy, it's very dangerous game. I mean, there was no, nobody explained to me what that actually meant. I just knew that now I was able to pay tuition for the next quarter, right? And then I didn't actually realize what I had got myself into till six months after I graduated when all of my payments went from interest only to the full meal deal. And then it was panic time. But it so yes, your point is taken valid, which is it's a ridiculous system. When you look at it at a 30,000 foot level, as an observer, the other point is you cannot get away with inter- you cannot get out of life without interacting with the credit system. So it's really important to understand how it works. Yeah, I think perhaps it'd be a good good episode for uh <laughs> Natalie's future. hot take on credit card debt. I don't think so. Well, something to the effect of talking about, you know, our economic system as it currently exists and the way in which we swim in it and the way in which our federal government swims in it. Oh boy. Yeah. That's going to have to be like a 20-part series. First, I'm going <laughs> to need you to read The Creature from Jekyll Island and then we can talk. All right. Yeah, maybe I'm, I think I might uh, might be the weak link on that conversation for sure. Okay. All right. So obviously we found my... Um, I don't, I'm just on fire today. I don't know what I put in my coffee this morning, but okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next exciting topic. All of this money and anxiety and conditioning might even stop you from doing the one thing that might actually give your life some meaning, settling down and starting a family. Why would you do that? Your 20s are supposed to be about fun, not responsibility. It's about going out to the bar with your buddies. It's about having lots of, lots of the S. With random people, not just one person that you've actually committed to. No, commitment? That's terrible. The only good commitments are loans and leases. You shouldn't have any others until you're at least 30. Probably don't have kids at all either because the news these days, you don't want them to go through that. It's too sad. This was, uh, I, I like this part a lot. It cracked me up. It's the uh, picture of the rabbit. <laughs> yeah, this, I, if, <laughs> the, 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 this was definitely like my favorite part too. I like the picture where it's the two next to each other, irresponsible and outdated of the happy married couple. And then on the other side, forward thinking, and it's somebody signing a, a loan or li- a lease or so, signing some kind of paper. But yeah, this is an interesting 
this is interesting. Um, I also really like the part where they're like, your 20s are about having fun. And then it's all the people at the bar with the caption, the peak of human existence. Yeah. Because uh, that's, yeah, that's my, that was my hot rant for there for a little bit where um, I don't even, I, I think sometimes I just am ranting at the clouds. Like I'm entering old age prematurely. I don't know who I'm ranting to, but maybe it was just my husband. But we kind of have this joke back and forth about why would I get married and have kids? There's happy hour on the Thursday. Like, oh, my, my, the peak of my life is to travel around the world. I want to drink Guinness in Ireland. Whoa. <laughs> like, I love it. Yeah, I guess it's weird because I have like a group of friends. My, <clears throat> sorry, my friends are basically childless. No, nobody has kids. I have one friend who is a daughter who's 11. So uh, Steve's friends have more kids among them but still not very many and they're a lot older than me so it's it is an interesting you know when I was um pregnant with my daughter and I was telling people I wasn't going to go back to work there was some consternation about that like (gasps) what you're not going back to work how could you even consider that but yeah so it's interesting to how and I mean, we're looking at this objectively again, right? We have the benefit of being an outside observer to look at this situation and say it's ridiculous. But when you wake up every single day, inertia is a force to be reckoned with. You wake up every day, you go to your job, you come home, you had a hard day, you're going to eat the same food. Well, okay, so-and-so is going out. I think I'll go meet him. I deserve to kick back, right? It, it just, it, the the problem with this is getting this perspective on your own life is very difficult because it's just monotonous and it's just inertia. People, you know, I talked to my husband about this. He got married later in life. So he says, yeah, I just, that's where my 20s and 30s went. I just got up every day and like did the same thing I was doing the day before. And it doesn't seem wrong at the time or bad. It just exists. You're just existing. You're just... So overcoming inertia is very, very difficult, which I isn't something that they're going to touch on in this this video. They're kind of doing it in a backhanded way. Like that's what he's critiquing. But um, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind when thinking about like, well, how do you go from being 18 with the world in front of you to 32 and miserable? Yeah, I think that's the answer. I mean, what does it mean to make it in this country? Well, what's what is he driving? And I think it means, yeah, just uh, having the world in front of you and feeling that excitement of opportunity that, you know, you can contribute to your local community, you can contribute to society by standing out by doing something great, you know, and feeling like you have that opportunity uh, to, to do something good, you know, like to not to not feel beat down and resentful. Uh, of the system. And I, I think that's kind of like what he means when he talks about what does it mean to make it in this country? I don't, I mean, I, I think, and a big part of that is, yeah, having, having a family. I, I definitely thought, of course, uh, in this part about uh, our episode on Tenant, and again, how I like that movie, because the villain's like primary speech at the end of the movie is kind of about like, why would I, why would my, my biggest sin was to bring a child into a world I knew was ending. And like, that's a very relatable kind of thing that's really dramatized, right? I think a lot of people 
don't want to bring children into this world and um because it oh. seems so so bad it's such uh, oh man don't you're i'm just i'm resisting the urge to go on another rant <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah i it's so funny because i hear this i hear this from people who i talk to who don't have kids and it's come up a lot because you know i had my daughter so all of a sudden we're talking for some reason people reflect that back on themselves and are like oh well i don't want to have kids because xyz and i'm like i don't okay great yeah <laughs> um but that's when i've heard oh man this it's just like a terrible world out there first of all one people literally have babies in war zones so question mark what are you talking about two human beings are by and away more productive than they are destructive because if we were more destructive than productive there would be nothing left so you've got to keep that in mind three what if you gave birth to the person who invented a cure for cancer but if you don't have kids and that person doesn't get born and cancer doesn't get cured end rant yeah i think that's some some good points ah oh, man i'm all over the board this morning so um, this will be entertaining. <clears throat> I'm just responding to the post-liberal nature of the video here. <laughs> uh, just to, to kind of you know, bring that back down a few steps. I think, so the next part is them wrapping it up. And so we'll kind of get into the that in a minute. But I, this point about the loans and leases and like the commitments and having the family thing is, is, pretty, is pretty pertinent because I think, we are given it's it's weird because it's like yeah commit commit to these student loans which people do easily but then if you think about committing to other kinds of things in your life like even committing to a job or committing to not having a job by quitting the job there's a that fear can really paralyze people and it can paralyze people for decades and I think it's it's important to acknowledge that too that kind of goes into the inertia issue yeah I think that's a great point you know that uh and this video feels post-liberal because it i think really hits at the excesses of the liberal system that it's uh positioned everyone you know for lives of endless consumption uh now to the point of endless consumption beyond our our means to some degree and uh you know it's it sort of it's so weakened uh these sort of uh, familial or cultural ties to our particular time and place uh that you know, it, it's somehow more palatable to take out a loan from, you know, some big uh, corporation or organization that, you know, you don't know who works there, you've never met them. Uh, you're just trying to do it for the purpose of endless consumption versus, uh, you know, sort of actual commitment, like a marriage commitment that roots you in a time and place and family and, uh, and, and local area. So I, I think yeah. that's a, I think that contrast that they did here in this part of the video was, um, you know, I, I know how I said like the eating, working, sleeping thing is like the meat of the video, but I mm -hmm. think this is probably their most brilliant point that where they, they contrasted this uh, marriage commitment versus uh, loan commitment thing. I think yeah. that's, a, that's a brilliant contrast. Okay, let's, let's finish her out here. So, I mean, you're screwed. You didn't really get much of a real chance. You were conditioned from a young age to believe you weren't capable of doing pretty much of anything. But here's the honest truth. The fact that pretty much everyone believes this gives you quite an advantage once you realize it's a lie. If you read a book, actually I could just end the statement there, but I'll continue. If you read a book about how to do something, 
you are positioned better than 95% of your peers, and that's a low ball estimate. Imagine the applications of that. So yeah, the deck is stacked against you, sure. You probably shouldn't have let idiots convince you to take out college debt. You probably should have spent more time reading as a child. You probably shouldn't eat after 7 p.m. You probably aren't gonna be able to afford a house until the market completely collapses, fingers crossed. Look, I know a lot of people are gonna get hurt if the market crashes, but like, come on. This is, this is, this is unbelievable. It's either you or me. It's either, it's either you or me. But there are things you can do to stand out and improve your situation. You just have to do it. I mean, look around, guys. Look around. We're not, we're not sending our best. You don't even have to try that hard to make things happen. You just, you just have to try because nobody else really is. So, yeah, you're screwed, but, but you don't have to be. And that is the one positive thing that just keeps getting me up in the morning. All right, get this guy a inspirational, motivational poster stat. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely feel like I relate to kind of what he's saying about at the end about what you don't have to be. You know, that's what gets you up in the morning. Sort of, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I think maybe about six months ago, I, I kept kind of coming back to this phrase, like, like honestly, there's no substitute in life for like just showing up. And nowadays, just showing up counts for a lot. Oh, I mean, my goodness. Put yourself in that position, you know, that uncomfortable position and force yourself to respond and see how you respond. And uh, yeah, it, it does start to sound sort of like those that Jordan Peterson kind of motivational, like, you know, through uh, just putting yourself in those situations where you challenge yourself. That's how you grow. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. you, you know, build that sense of character. You feel like you don't have to be resentful. You feel like you can, yeah, own your life, like it says here at the end. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because one of my favorite little, like, life quotes is, and I'm not, I don't actually know, this may be an amalgam. I'm not sure we can attribute it. We'll just say Abraham Lincoln said it. Um, the world is run by the people who show up, and that is an extremely important life lesson. If you just go and you just show up and you do nothing you will be more involved than somebody who doesn't go. Um, I know that's pretty broad, but for, you know, an example is, uh, let's pick, let's just pick one, uh, church or better yet, uh, Bible study. Like if you just go somewhere, you show up and you sit there and you listen, you know, a lot of things happen. One, you're learning, right? And two, you will by default become more connected to other people. Like that's just the result of showing up. By that's that's great. It's like a free bonus just built in. Show up and you'll become more connected. And that is the real magic because that's where you get friends and that's where you get um, you know, networking and and that's how you interact with other people. And my mom had her own version of it, which was go, you might meet someone. So hmm. I've been, I've harped on that for a long time. And I think, but yeah, the world is run by the people who show up and it doesn't take a lot to do that, right? It, this, this message, you know, I have some, I have some thoughts about it and I know we're kind of running short on time so I can keep them short, but I want to, I want to let you finish your thoughts first. No, that's, I mean, I, I like the video, uh, you know, what does it mean to make it in this country? To me, I, I do see it kind of as a as a message of hope, right, to uh, encourage people to see the world as an opportunity rather than a system that's beating them down, 
you know, to see and take advantage of every opportunity that they have. And that's kind of, I think, the message behind this. And and to me, uh, like, that's that's something that's, you know, not unique to American Christianity. It's this broader message of all these people, whether they're part of this sort of homeschool Christian culture that is sort of the, the primary demographic of these videos, or uh, anybody who watches this. I mean, I, I, I really like this video because I, I feel like it's appealing, it's relatable, we can all feel the system that we're a part of, uh, or, you know, and if it hasn't affected us, we can see that in other people uh, that it's affected. So I, you know, I see this as a as a, a great video. I mean, the one thing I'll say is that the ad read for Squarespace uh, after this feels really jarring. And usually the ad reads are more seamless in these Blimey Cow videos, but that was one where I felt like, you could have cut out the, I mean, maybe they can't cut out the ad read, but I would have cut out the ad read on this one and just had it end, end with Own Your Life because, um, or maybe Jordan's little rant at the end that we're not going to play about, uh, well, not rant, but like thing about millennials where he kind of talks about the same sort of thing. I think, what was it? Uh, oh my goodness. Charles Murray or Charles Taylor, the, the social science guy who's, who has like the Fishtown and Belmont comparison about like the two different times, time kinds of millennials. Anyway, um, I think it's a great video. I really appreciate it. Um, I understand that it's polarizing for some people who it is not as relatable for, but I think for the vast majority of Americans, particularly of you know, sort of our age and, and younger, that this has increasingly become true. And so it's very important for them to get a message that says, hey, uh, you know, don't just sit back and take it. Just show up. It, it doesn't take much effort. Just kind of think about the system you're in and think about it as an opportunity rather than you know, a system that's beating you down, because there's a lot of value to having that mindset. Amen. I can get behind that mindset. So I'm happy. Good, good video. Thanks for bringing it, Zach. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely.